I pledge to promote the name of the profession throughout Wales. I pledge to raise the college's profile through units and structures. I pledge to provide an innovative OT service to the patients and staff on the critical care and surgery team at Nottingham University Hospitals Trust. Welcome to the RCOT podcast. I'm Helen Merrills. And I'm Dan Smith. As you may have guessed from the intro, today we're discussing the OT pledge campaign. What is it? Why should you make one? And can one pledge really help secure the future of occupational therapy? I've caught up with our court's chief executive, Julia Scott, to ask these very questions. Okay, Julia, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us this morning. You're very welcome, Helen. Um, it's a beautiful day here in London Bridge. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about the OT pledge campaign and looking forward to our next five years. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the OT pledge campaign? Absolutely. The pledges um, and the campaign is all about supporting the strategic intentions, uh, which become live from the uh, 1st of October. So uh, we're just about starting five years under the new strategic intentions. So just as a reminder, the new strategic intentions are one, to position a profession and our members for the 21st century. Two, to enhance the profile of a profession to a range of audiences. And three, to ensure ARCOT is a thriving membership organisation within which members flourish. The intentions are really intended to drive forward and secure the future of the profession over the next five years. Well, things will continue to change, but occupational therapy must stay strong. So the pledges are members' opportunities to really get involved in supporting the work that will deliver on the intentions. It's their opportunity to engage, to buy in, to think what they can do to secure the future of the profession. So we're not asking for huge aspirational pledges, we're looking for really grounded pledges. What each individual member can do over the foreseeable future to secure the future of the profession, to deliver on ensuring that we continue to provide the best possible care and support for people, and to actually help raise the profile of the profession and make sure it is better understood and heard about in important discussions. Why did yourself and your team here at the Royal College decide that the pledges would be a good way to translate the strategic intentions? Well, the strategic intentions probably predominantly work um, as a tool and a framework for the college when it's working on its annual business plans and its, its annual budgets, so they guide all the work of the college. But without member engagement, they only will have limited impact. With nearly 33,000 members, it's absolutely vital that if each member plays their small part in pledging their commitment to delivering on the intentions, the impact can be huge. Absolutely, that sounds great. Um, what can occupational therapists gain from making a pledge? I think for occupational therapists it's an opportunity to feel part of our professional community. The Royal College works hard at, at being close to members, but I am sure there are some members who don't feel we're touching them and what they do and really appreciating their hard work. So this is their opportunity, I suppose, to sign up to engage, to get involved, to be part of the act activity that the whole professional community is geared towards. So we're all facing in the same direction, we're all knocking on the same doors, we're all pushing and supporting the importance of occupational therapy, wherever it is that those services are being delivered. So 
So Helen, we've had a lot of pledges already and uh, I think you did quite an interesting analysis of what topics the pledges have been about to date. That's right, it was quite a big task because we've had quite a few pledges but the results are really interesting and they provide some insights into where the profession is at the moment. One of the most popular topics is to promote the value of OT and here's Julia's advice on this. It's not just about pounds, shillings and pence. It's really helpful these days, I'm afraid, if you can define your value in terms of savings uh, that you make either in your own service or to the wider system. But there was also some examples about quality of life issues. And sometimes value is about spending time with someone, being able to listen more carefully and being able to ask the right questions and establish rapport. And then the interventions will follow. So the value of a, of a, a thoughtful assessment that isn't just a tick box, I've got to fill in this list and I've got to go away making sure I've completed my form. The value of actually spending time with people. Sometimes, I said this to members the other day, sometimes simply sitting with someone for a minute or two. Not, I'm not suggesting we have to give them an hour sitting beside them. But sitting and listening and allowing a moment where they can tell us what really matters to them is huge value. And I think occupational therapists have always been very good at that because we're trained in both mental health and physical health. So we understand the importance of the non-verbals, the calmness, the open listening, the uh, body language, all the, all the things that uh, I think other professionals accept as well. But we know the, the value of that in terms of establishing a relationship and then delivering a better intervention because of it. So money is important, but so is the impact we make on people's lives. We've heard from Julia on promoting the value of OT. Let's hear from one of our members who made her pledge on this topic. I'm Helen Rushton and I'm an occupational therapist. My pledge was to continue to share the value of occupational therapy and provide accessible and free continued professional development opportunities via the use of a tweet chat, hashtag OutTalk. So it's a public facing forum so we often get the general public join in, other professions, and that's sharing the work that occupational therapy uh, is doing. Helen also highlighted her pledge to help the next generation of occupational therapists develop their leadership skills. We also offer an opportunity once a year for occupational therapy students to be a digital intern, which we feel is supporting students to get on board with the digital era, but also to develop their leadership skills. So it feels like there's a big focus on leadership in the profession at the moment. I spoke to RCOT's lead professional advisor, Karen Allman, to find out how important she thinks this is in securing the future of the profession. Well, I think um, it's really important to define leadership because I think people get confused in their minds between management and leadership. And so leadership is about developing an idea or a vision and inspiring others, other people to realise it with you. Um, so I think all occupational therapists at any level within the profession are acting as leaders because they're defining occupational therapy and, and its value and how it can meet the needs of their local population and they're inspiring others to work with them to, to realise that vision. So I think as a profession, we've got to just recognise that we are leaders and um, communicate what we do. Um, 
it doesn't exist if other people don't realise it. I think we, we recognise that if we don't record what we do, it doesn't exist in terms of our clinical notes. And it's the same with leadership. If we don't explain and tell people about what we do, then it won't get recognised. And, and that project isn't fully completed. So I think we need to be talking much more about what we do, recognising ourselves starting point as leaders and then telling people why we are leaders what we're doing as leadership projects and communicating that to you know a wide range of audiences it isn't just about commissioners and managers and our colleagues we also need to be communicating that uh, to the public so they can understand where the role of occupational therapy lies and what occupational therapy can do for them. So do you have any advice for occupational therapists who want to make a pledge around leadership but aren't sure where to start? I think that um, they need to be thinking about what they are doing already. I think sometimes occupational therapists, when we ask them to tell us what they're doing and, and about their practice, they think they have to be doing something startlingly different and innovative and new. And actually what we want to know is about solid good practice as well. So think reflect on what you're doing think about what you're doing well and how can you build on that and then set your pledge um, focused around building and moving forward and think about making it you know achievable um, it's about having going in the right direction but also something that you know that you can manage um, we say this to the people that we work with we always sort of say set a goal that's uh, that's realistic and that you can achieve and we need to be doing that as well so don't think that a pledge has to be uh, very very different very new it's about thinking about where am I now where would I like to be in in a year's time how can I set a pledge so that I can work towards that there were some great practical tips there from Karen on how to make a pledge that really works for you. I've noticed that another leading topic for pledges is to define and claim occupation. I asked Julia Scott what this means in practice and why it's so vital to secure the future of occupational therapy. Well, it's an interesting one because I expect it means different things to everyone who's used those words. When we did the work around building the strategic intentions, a lot of members said to me, we want you to define occupational therapy. But of course, the reality is that if the college defines it, it actually has less resonance with individual members. And our response to members generally is, you must define it in the context of your work. It's very difficult. We're a very broad profession. And I think occupational therapists feel a, a, a sort of challenge to try and describe all of it. Whereas we have said, define the bit you do. Don't worry about the wider uh, roles that many different professionals have. Um, but I think the claim bit is quite important. In these days where services are changing rapidly, people are feeling a bit challenged about where do I fit in, the truth is that we are the only people who really understand the importance of doing, of engaging, of participating, whatever your health condition or, or uh, situation you're in. So the claim bit is very important, that we have to make sure that people understand the unique value of occupational therapy, how we can make a real difference. The Improving Life Saving Money Report has gone a long way towards that. But if we don't claim it, we don't want someone else defining it for us. So this is our opportunity to, to lay out our, our table and to demonstrate what we own and what we do really well. 
So we've heard about the wider aims behind the campaign and we've talked about the kind of pledges people are making. So I guess the next question is, what happens after you've made a pledge? We caught up with Vandita Chisholm, Marketing Manager here at the Royal College, to discuss next steps. The pledge campaign is part of our strategic intentions campaign and we need to know what difference that is going to make and we need to know what, how your actions are going to make those differences. So the only way that we can know that is by you telling us. Just keep us informed. You can keep us informed via social media. You can email us. And you know, we just want to hear your good news stories. And the success of your pledge can, can inspire other occupational therapists to, to produce their own pledges and, and to, make, to make their promises that will, that will equally make a difference to the profession. It's about celebrating a success and it's about driving success, creating more success. So it sounds like sharing is a key part of the pledging process. Absolutely. We want you to share your initial pledge and then keep sharing your progress. As Van Dieter mentioned, social media is a great way to do this. So please do keep sharing your pledge activity with us using the hashtag OTPledge. So now we get to reveal some of the pledges that have already been made. We asked Julia and Karen to share theirs with us. I think the last time I was asked, my pledge uh, was, was in the region of uh, doing my utmost to raise the profile of the profession uh, with the external stakeholders who I spent quite a lot of time with. So I do spend a lot of time with members, but the rest of my time, to be honest, is spent uh, with external uh, key people, be they politicians, be they influencers, be they the voluntary sector, uh, colleagues who are pushing to make things better for people with uh, specific needs. Um, and I think my, my, my last pledge was about helping people to better understand the unique added value of occupational therapy. Doreen, can I ask you, have you made a pledge? I have made a pledge. Um, I'm very involved in our campaign, Occupational Therapy Improving Lives, Saving Money. And the campaign's really been focused outward, trying to um, engage with policy leads and uh, political figures and commissioners and managers to tell them all about the value of occupational therapy. This year my pledge is to develop uh, resources to encourage members to get actively involved in the campaign. We also caught up by phone with a few members who made their OT pledge back in the summer to see how they're getting on. Okay, my name's Bev Taylor-Wade. Um, I am an occupational therapist. I work in the uh, local CCG as a senior program lead. Okay, well, my OT pledge, I can't say it sort of verbatim word for word, uh, but it was, um, it was roughly, um, as I've, I've started working at the local um, CCG, it was really to take that opportunity to promote the role of OTs working um, with people with learning disabilities. I think it's, uh, you know, I think we have the ability to work in a very sort of diverse range of ways. Um, and there, I think increasingly we're working in different areas. Um, so I think it's important that that's, you know, we're promoting our role so people can see how they can utilise us. Bev explained how at the CCG, she chairs reviews of people who are at risk of admission or actually in hospital and has made progress on her pledge by promoting the importance of meaningful occupation within those reviews. 
So one of the things that I'm constantly looking at in those reviews is are people getting access to occupations because, you know, we know that actually having, you know, fulfilling occupations can reduce the reliance on medication. Um, so that that's the sort of progress that I think I'm making in terms of, of having those discussions about sort of broader issues for people. My name is Sarah Bodell and I am a senior lecturer in occupational therapy at the University of Salford. My OT pledge was to celebrate everywhere and everyone that recognises and values the power of meaningful occupation and its relationship to health and well-being beyond occupational therapy because there are so many people and services and teams that are using occupation to support people in their lives and in their communities that I feel that we should be embracing all of it and then looking to see where we as a profession can enhance and support that. I think working collegiately with the assets of our community are essential to securing the future of our profession because I don't believe that we have a monopoly on occupation but we do have a unique contribution to make in terms of helping people to understand and maximise the potential of the relationship between the occupation, the environment and the person for the benefit of health and well-being. So the more we can embed our scientific underpinning into the services that are aiming to support people, the stronger we get. So one of the projects that I am working with along with colleagues here at the University of Salford relates to social prescribing and social prescribing is a really hot topic at the moment um, and I because I'm in touch with with lots of OTs I hear lots of OTs feeling frustrated that um, this is something that we have been doing as occupational therapists forever um, but in talking to the social prescribing audience what we hear is that they're really keen to work with us as OTs and to and to use the theory and the scientific underpinning that we have to support what they're doing mm -hmm. so yes I'm absolutely seeing progress already and in fact we're working in a number of partnerships with social prescribing um, providers and influencers who are chomping at the bit to learn from us as OTs. So Sarah has started to deliver on her pledge by forging links between occupational therapists and those who are prescribing socially to drive forward understanding of the importance of meaningful occupation. It sounds like a really interesting project and we're looking forward to hearing how it progresses. I want to finish by giving a really big thanks to everyone who's contributed to today's show. We've really enjoyed exploring the pledge campaign with you and hearing how our early pledges are getting along. It is your campaign, so we really encourage you to get involved. Think about what your role could be in securing the future of the profession. Make a pledge and then revisit that pledge on a regular basis to monitor your progress. And of course, let us know how you're getting on. Okay, so finally, our campaign hashtag is OTPledge and you can find out more by visiting rcot.co.uk forward slash iPledge2. Let's give a final word to Sarah who explains why making a pledge is so worthwhile. I think making the pledge, as with any goals, it focuses one's attention on what needs to happen, how it could happen, so it, it gives it a priority. Um, 
and it makes me notice when I am working toward it and equally when, when I'm becoming distracted from it. So I think it's focused my mind and it's also enables me to communicate my goals more effectively to, to other people. I would encourage anyone, any OT to reflect on their practice, both from a personal point of view and a professional point of view and to practice what we preach and articulate what your goals are because we know setting goals works, a pledge is a goal, let's keep moving things forwards in the future.